Welcome to the podcast, Coming Forward. Coming Forward is an anonymous podcast for victims of abuse to safely come forward and tell their stories in a support group setting. Topics will rotate on a weekly basis following the readings and materials used by the support group ASCA, which stands for Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. The goal of the podcast is to normalize and desensitize some of these difficult topics in hopes to push the needle on our national conversation about sexual, emotional, and physical abuse as it relates to the legal system. Coming forward will serve as a safe and judgment-free space for the most intimate conversations so we can all speak our truth and feel a little less alone. It is important to note that this podcast in no way serves to replace any form of therapy. Participants have the option to be anonymous or state their name, and we respect reasons for doing whichever option they feel the most safe and comfortable with. Lastly, this podcast may contain explicit descriptions of sexual, physical, or emotional abuse that may be disturbing to listeners. Listening discretion is advised. Today's topic is holidays, and this is going to be a combination of the two holiday topics from the reading. So the first one is holiday is a stressful time of year. And the second one is holidays lost and found. We're kind of just blending the two topic readings um, for this episode for a Mother's Day post. You can find a reading for this material posted within the notes of the episode. I'll also um, go over it and read it for the podcast um, after the presenters share. We will have a 10 to 15 minute presenter followed by an informal conversation around the topic. To our presenter, thank you for being here today. We will pause for a moment of silence to gather our thoughts and start when you're ready. Thank you. Mother's Day, what a loaded topic. As a survivor growing up in a society that heralds parents almost as omnipotent beings that you should always be grateful towards it's intimidating to have a different opinion and it's even scarier to voice that opinion <clears throat> anytime i've exclaimed my feelings concerning my family or the holiday that celebrates families i met with such strong opposition which i could psychoanalyze to no end but in my opinion it boils down to the institution of family feeling threatened and for the sake of millions of abused children, it should feel that way. One of the toxic things this institution heralds is that only family is safe and you should only talk to family, which if your family is the one hurting you, are you safe? And if they're the ones that I'm supposed to only talk to and trust, how can I trust people outside of that? My mom would tell me all the time, you will only have family by your side throughout your life as a way to guilt me into wanting to spend time with them. And she would almost scream it in a threatening way whenever she saw that I was off creating my own family with friends. And it really messed me up. I grew to be really feel fearful of family settings and not just my own, you know, being surrounded by any family units made me feel so unsafe. I kept thinking what horrors are hiding behind this exterior as I spent time with them. I've never really liked celebrating this day. This day definitely brings a lot of stress forward. Um, and it was even more so stressful when I had to celebrate it with my mother growing up. 
It made me enter these spaces where I had to pretend that I was grateful for her and showing up meant that I was thanking her for being my mother. And those sentiments couldn't be farther from the truth. I hated and still do having to pretend that I lived a normal life. And I guess what I mean by normal is non-abusive. Mother's Day to me felt so performative. Like another show I felt like I had to put on in front of family, friends, or even strangers sitting in like a nearby table at a restaurant when we were out celebrating. I looked like the villain when my face, body language, or tone of voice would show the truth about how I felt about her, about the day, about the whole charade. And I felt persecuted because I would be confronted with questions like, why are you so ungrateful? Why can't you just put your attitude aside for one day? Like, why is it so hard for you to just be here with your family, etc.? In the end, that's all it was. It was just saving face for the family. The family that didn't care enough to try to understand what was going on with me when I clearly was upset or the fact that I had way too many tantrums, which were essentially a cry for help. And I even had family members admit to me that they turned a blind eye when they saw red flags. And for context's sake, um, I am a survivor of child abuse and I experienced abuse at the hands of many people and institutions, including daycares and schools. Um, but for the sake of today's topic, I will be focusing on my mother, who was one of my main abusers. She neglected me uh, and emotionally, verbally, and physically abused me. Um, and she was also complicit in my sexual abuse. I don't even think she tried to tear me down with all the insults she would hurl at me or how she would often state that I was such a disappointment. I don't really, I don't think that was her intention. However, it doesn't excuse her behavior. You know, when I went to college also, she would email me at random times long pages detailing me how I messed up my life and how I was a disgrace. But she took the initiative to say this to me because she was worried about me. But worried about what? Because I was always a good kid. I was a good student. I was that typical honor roll student who was involved in everything. So I wasn't doing really anything that could worry her. And it's, it's truly amazing the amount of gaslighting that I went through with her. And I'm Filipina Latina, so the physical abuse was a very common way to discipline kids in my cultures. So I didn't even realize that being whipped with a belt or beat with a shoe um, or made to kneel was abuse until I was much, much older. And then the sexual abuse that she was complicit in. That was hard for me to admit that she was complicit in it. Her boyfriend sexually abused me for years. And for so long, I just told myself she just doesn't know. That's why it's happening, because she just doesn't know. And I can't tell her because I'm the other woman in the situation and she'll be mad at me. 
But with therapy, I was able to finally put the blame back on her because she did allow it to happen. She did know it was happening. I mean, one clear memory I have of this is um, her washing the dishes with the uh, windows open. And she could see through the window, looking out into the backyard, me skinny dipping with her boyfriend when I was 10 years old in our backyard pool. And obviously it wasn't my idea. And she even told them once to massage me and ordered me to strip down in front of her. So it wasn't just that she created the space for it to happen. She sometimes made it happen. But then she would turn around and become really jealous towards me and would hurl such jealous infused insults at me because her boyfriend would come into my room first when he would come home late at night instead of going to her room first. And it's really messed up that she almost... I thought, honestly, that she hated me for the attention her boyfriend was giving me, but it wasn't attention I wanted. And I mean, the list goes on and on there. But all these acts, those that I've mentioned and those that I have not, have just given me a whole laundry list of issues. Like, I don't feel comfortable or safe being in my own skin. I hated myself for so long, and I've had to work to convince myself that I was nothing she said I was. I can't even shower. The shower is a really triggering place for me as he would often either watch me bathe or would quote unquote invite me to his shower when I was like eight. And it took me years to learn how to be comfortable not crying myself to sleep. That was the only way I knew how to fall asleep. And I just, I mean, I'm my worst critic. And I know a lot of people say that, but it's because she taught me to believe that I was worthless, like some failed experiment. I've had to overcome all of that. And she was just, my mom was in adversity I had to face. She didn't know how to protect me. She didn't know how to be a mother. And that's something that she actually admitted to me once, that she didn't know how to be motherly, affectionate. But really, I see it as more than that. Being a mother to me is loving unconditionally, supporting wholeheartedly, and respecting a child's choices, body, and agency. And she failed at all of these. This is a woman I haven't spoken to for years and still doesn't understand why I don't want to. She is in deep, deep denial of the role she played in my life. She hurt me. She put me in positions that hurt me. She allowed others to hurt me. And she continues to hurt me, actually, by making reckless, selfish, selfish decisions. I lived in such constant terror. I really thought I was going to die at a young age, either by their hands or by my own. Luckily, my resilience, and I'll credit my stubbornness, didn't lead me to suicidal thoughts or actions. However, I felt like I was drowning for so long that my pain would just consume me and end me. Like how people say that you can die from a broken heart, but more like dying from a broken spirit and soul. That's how it felt like to me. Anyways, Mother's Day. My relationship with Mother's Day has changed a lot. 
At first, it was this charade that made me feel so uncomfortable. And as a child, I couldn't understand why. I just didn't have the words. But as I got older, that discomfort just made me angry. It even made me feel gross, which now as an adult, I know that icky feeling is called shame. As I started to create emotional and then later on physical distance from her, I would become really annoyed at the sight of children with their mothers. I mean, till this day, Mother Day ads cause me to roll my eyes. And that feeling of annoyance or even sometimes maybe sadness just came from the fact that I felt jealous that I didn't have that growing up. Something that seems so seemingly simple, have a parent who loves you. <laughs> the past two years I've spent in mourning. My dad was also abusive and he actually died three years ago. So I've been in mourning because of him, but I've also have been mourning my mother, even though she is technically alive. Because I've been mourning the fact that I didn't really have a mother. And what was even harder to get over was mourning the hope that she'll change and that we'll eventually reconcile and that eventually at some point I'll have a mother. I had to let go of that. And even though it was really hard to do so, I feel so much freer. But the mourning period was really rough for a lot of different reasons. And one of the reasons why it was rough was because it became very apparent to me how alone I am. I feel like an orphan. I don't have really any familial support system, like extended family and things like that. But my therapist helped to point out that I mothered myself. I parented myself. And often survivors parent themselves, is what she says. She said. Which on one hand is really sad but on the other hand it's really powerful to hear that because the way i see it is i didn't give up on myself i swooped up clearly subconsciously uh, to comfort my own self and teach myself how to be an adult because i had to grow up really fast so my timeline is a bit different because i had to be an adult when i was younger and now that i have created this distance from people who are toxic and I am an adult that can do whatever I want in a way. <laughs> I'm working on having fun because I just didn't have that luxury when I was younger. So this year when Mother's Day rolled up, I subconsciously was like, oh, time to get uncomfortable. But that wasn't the case. Even though the, that thought came up, the feelings didn't follow. I mean, I knew I had to keep myself busy the day of, but I'm not feeling the same level of discomfort or annoyance I used to. I obviously still feel very hurt and very angry towards my mother, but I no longer couple it with the holiday. But I think that's just where I'm at in my healing. And I know I still have a long way to go, but I'm in such a better place compared to when I started this healing process at 19. And I just wanted to kind of end my share with saying that I relationship with mothers is really complicated um, and I just want to validate everyone's definition of what that relationship looks like. To me it was really important to create distance um, in order to find myself, in order to un understand myself and to start the healing process and let go of the hope that she will come along 
on that journey with me but she still hasn't even admitted that she did any wrong so she has a long way to go and I'm not holding my breath um and I no longer need her nor want her to come along this ride with me and I've really focused my healing about not just seeking her validation but doing it for me like I deserve this I deserve to have my own life I deserve to have my own find my own peace for myself not to have a relationship with other people but to have a relationship with me of course come father's day i feel very differently but that's another episode <laughs> thank you for um sharing would you like any feedback from me yeah i'll take some feedback <laughs> okay now that i've kind of composed myself um wow that was incredibly difficult to listen to. Um, but at the same time, all I can think of is like some of the words you said, your resilience, um, your stubbornness in all the best ways, your strength, how powerful that share was. Um, and the part that I felt like the most emotional was finding your own peace and how much you deserve that relationship with yourself. Um, that resonated a lot. And then just with some highlights, I, I appreciate you kind of breaking through the norms and what people think of, like, so much of this is, is so much resonates and so much is familiar and, like, only family is safe and just kind of coming out and saying these uncomfortable things that were just um, kind of hidden. And I think no one really speaks about any of this. And you just really went out and gave this really vulnerable um, courageous and brave share. Um, so much resonated. I can go into notes or if you want, we can have more time for a conversation. I will leave that up to how you're feeling. Um, I'm actually kind of curious to see what your notes yeah. are. Yeah, of course. So the uncomfortable, uncomfort around this and the fearful of family settings and projecting on others. Um, that is something that really, really resonated for me. And I think we'll list with listeners too, of like, everyone's like this and kind of projecting that like every family has this kind of toxic, um, surrounding that I don't want to be part of, or this it is scary. And the forcing and pretending of celebration in a normal sense. And another, performative show I used to journal about this all the time like everything is a performance like everything is an act and people were specifically like calling you out on this and I just feel really sad for someone that has to sit in that seat and struggle and listen and have to like de like a child defending I'm uncomfortable like obviously you're uncomfortable like you're like being hurt at home and all of these ways like no duh, any child would be in that um same sh seat and people admitting they, okay, we'll stop. So we're going to discontinue feedback process. Um, I think it's also hard, and this is something I'm working with, with being like present and reading from notes. I think it's kind of difficult to do with feeling like I'm trying to get too much out and also feeling like I'm being present with the presenter, something I'm personally working through. Um, so we can move on to the next portion, um, unless you want to say anything specific. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to say thank you for your uh, feedback. 
Yeah. I appreciated that. I felt um I felt heard hearing your feedback. I felt like you um understood what I was conveying. Um <laughs> and there's a part of me that is wanting to say this a little bit out of shame and I'm just going to say it. But um for those who are listening out there who is probably like, oh, she sounded so deadpan when talking about such horrible things. Um, my therapist has kind of noted that, that she's like, you're able to talk about horrifying things in a pretty non-emotional way. And it's obviously a coping mechanism, although I am feeling a little emotional a little bit. Um, it's just sometimes hard to convey it. So I just wanted to just name it. Um, put it out there because I know others might feel that same way and sometimes I forget that these things are horrible honestly because it was my life but it's um, hearing you comment on it reflecting it back to me that's when I started to get emotional so I thank you for your feedback yeah I thank you for um, allowing me the space to share these things um, and I look forward to the rest of the conversation we're about to have Thank you. Thanks for saying that. That felt very honest. And I appreciate you thinking of a listener too. It's like very advanced in my job, but thanks for taking on my job. Um, so I feel very excited and nervous for this episode because there's a lot that I wanted to cover and I, I know we're short on time. I don't, I know we're not short on time, but there's like only a certain amount of time. So I want to be brief with like the announcements and the end period, but just to kind of start before each episode, I set an intention with myself and intention with the guest. And for this episode, I really wanted this to be less rehearsed and more present in person with the presenter, um, which is really hard with an agenda and notes in a time frame. And I've been thinking about perfection and how I kind of want to redefine this for myself as I tell listeners who are preparing for episodes, like there's no such thing as perfect shares. And I guess when I started to think about redefining perfection for me, it's taking risks and being vulnerable and depending on some failures because I am living. And I love plans and scripts and procedures because they're safe and secure for me, but they can also um, be my cages. So <laughs> with that said, I'll move into, um, I was going to do the readings, which I timed at five minutes to read through all of it. I'm trying to think if maybe I should just do one out of the two readings so I'm not reading materials for the full five minutes and then maybe just post them online. Did you have any that you worked off of that you found? They're very similar and some of it does overlap, but I also feel like an appreciation for the different questions in both. Did you feel more one um, helped you other more than another? Um, or did you just kind of work from your own place? I did work from my own place. Okay. But... Is there any way that we can maybe read the questions yeah. instead of the readings? That, we can do that, yeah. Uh, we, that way we can read both. Yeah. Um, so some of the questions, should I read through, let's see, there's three on one section and four on another. Should we like pause in between or should we just go through all of them and come back? We could pause. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, um, one of the questions on the first section, which is holidays lost and found, is... What do the holidays evoke in you? Which is a very broader one. <laughs> um, I feel like you kind of went over this and your share. Oh, I did. <laughs> yes. 
But it's interesting, right? Because every holiday evokes <laughs> something different. It does. So I think this is a good reading to, um, and good question to keep coming back to every time there's a holiday. Because you probably feel different on Easter Agreed. versus Halloween versus yeah. Christmas versus Kwanzaa. I mean, you know, um, that's why I like these questions. I do too. And I was thinking that when I was prepping the episode, one of my first thoughts was, oh, holidays, like that's only for Thanksgiving and Christmas and any other religious, uh, spiritual holiday around that time of year. But then I was thinking, no, actually, this is really um, applicable to Mother's Day and Father's Day for us specifically. Mm-hmm. And these are probably some of the most important ones. Second question, what did you lose? What was stolen from you in reference to the holidays? And this is also for someone listening to maybe kind of think of like writing exercises. Um, that's kind of how we've used it at ASCA in the support group that we reference. Third one, what are you looking for from the holidays? Fourth one, what might be some of the things that you need to do to renew yourself for a sense of holiday spirit? In the next section, the holidays, a stress-filled time of the year. What has been your experience of the holiday season? Um, Second one is what are the sources of stress for you during the coming holidays? And the third one is how might you proactively reduce the stress on yourself during the holiday season? I like that third one with um, how would you proactively reduce yourself? And this ties into the reading with having a plan some sense of control over what's going on is anything resonating with you off no, the questions that's fine okay. I feel like it kind of like stirs some I think some prep for the topic there are a couple of lines that I just wanted to highlight one of them was holidays were lost but they can be found again and then just the universal acknowledgement that holidays are full of stress I didn't really know this was a thing until recently I thought it was just me And I think adding a trauma component on top of the normal stress is definitely not something that's discussed. If holidays and stress aren't discussed in a public way, um, trauma on top of that is definitely not something that's talked about. So I'll put the readings aside and those will be posted in the notes. When I was originally prepping this episode, I was trying to think of multiple perspectives um, for people that might be listening. And I, I was thinking of Um, Some people that wrote in that were mothers who might be grappling with their own motherhood while working through like mothers who have failed them. Mm -hmm. Also, um, people that have wanted to be mothers someday and fear and insecurities around that, but also Mm -hmm. hope and excitement. Others honoring mothers in their lives that are not their biological mothers. So friends and colleagues, maybe a Mm -hmm. therapist, uh, yoga teachers, other mother figures. And then um, some might not have a living mother and those unspoken or spoken conversations around their trauma and the abuse and closures with that person or maybe lack thereof around this day. Um, Another one is mothers or um, people who might be breaking generations of systemic abuse in their families with their own parenting as mothers, maybe even at cost of breaking certain family bonds Mm. and connections in order to do so. And something that came up, and I was really, I try to avoid social media, but I, I logged on this morning and one of a post said, how to celebrate Mother's Day when you lost your mom. And it starts with remembering something positive, talking with other people who knew her. If the loss, if the loss is actively hurting you, take a few minutes to do some expressive writing. And the fourth one, this is the part that kind of irked me the most, was think about something you can do to honor her. And I thought about how triggering this is for someone reading this and from the place that we might be coming from of like, think about something you can do to honor you and like to honor ourselves and honor some of this work and honor other mothers as well. Um, something that came to mind. 
Um, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. The different types of one mothers that exist or our relationship to mothers. And, and it's interesting because I do know people who have lost their mom and I'm all for them in their mourning. And so I could understand how that post might be exactly what they need. Um, and I'm in a place where I don't feel as bitter. And so I'm able to read something like that and not take it so personal. Yeah. Um, because my response in the past would have definitely been like, well, at least you had a mom. Yeah. Um, and I'm gl- grateful that I'm not in that headspace anymore. But still, there are people who are and I validate their feelings 100 percent. Um if you are feeling that way, because sometimes I do, you know, feel that way. It's interesting when you brought up the idea of those who want to be mothers, because I actually want to be a mom. I've wanted to be a mom since I was a child. Um, And it's really interesting that I want to be a mom so bad, but I am going about this very differently. So my mom had me to not be alone essentially, because she was in a uh, domestic violence relationship with my father, and she just wanted someone on her side, which is not why you should have a child, but that's how I came into this world, and so I wanted to be a mom for so long, and when I was a kid, it was almost for the same reason, like, I didn't want to be alone, slash, I wanted to give another living being all the love I wasn't given, and now that I'm older, and wiser and very much apparent that a child is not a toy that um, I pick up when I'm feeling sad (laughs) I I still want to be a mom but I'm very aware of the fact that I need to be more emotionally stable before taking on that role and I'm grateful that I started my healing process so young because I know others who Uh, don't start it until they are mothers and for many different reasons sometimes you don't remember what you went through until you're much older like something clicks and something triggers and all of a sudden you have a breakthrough and and I can't imagine what that must feel like that you are already a mother and all of a sudden you have to grapple with what you went through as a child with your own mother and so I'm grateful that I'm doing this now before I have children I'm still excited at the idea of having children and I just really hope that I'm everything that my mother wasn't towards me to my kids. I feel like that's the best way to honor myself. That's really kind. And thank you for saying all of that. Um, one of the things that when I meditated on this holiday, I went through the motions and did, you know, my own my own work with my mom and the calls and like kind of the um, gifts and things like that. But then when I did my deeper meditation for myself, um, the things that came up from which I found were a more meaningful place to work from was the mother figures in my life was a big one. Mm-hmm. I started just like bawling thinking of my therapist. <laughs> and then that went to like yoga teachers and a couple of ASCA members. Um, and then the second one was the future child. And I was like, where is this coming from? And I just started like crying and some some type of like, in a place of like deep love for somebody that's not even here yet. And this like, like Mm -hmm. I want them to know that they were already wanted and they were loved and they were like, I can't wait to meet them and all those feelings. And it comes from 
it just makes me think a lot about this and how complex this really is. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to quickly mention um, because my notes go into like this hallmark of this day and what this what we're supposed to feel versus reality and you did touch on um, some of this Mm -hmm. was I don't think these things are purposely not well intended I don't think people are coming out into the world and saying you know honor your mother like we're purposely neglecting Um, no one's purposely like withholding a certain group of people I think it's just not something that there's like a mindful awareness around yet there's not enough conversations to bring this into a larger conversation if that makes sense um i mean i i will say i disagree with that a little bit really yeah just because um i mean i don't believe that people who you know make mother's day cards and hallmark or yeah or things like that are obviously like oh we're gonna 100 percent forego this entire population i yeah. don't think that it, that's their intention but i do think that the conversations are very um, exclusive because, again, we live in a society that if I were to publicly say I don't like my mom, I don't love her, I don't have a relationship with her, I don't like celebrating Mother's Day, it's met with a lot of pushback. That's and, true. And it's very sometimes volatile. That's true, yeah. Like, um, And so all of a sudden it's like, but how could you do that? You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Like, she's the reason why you're alive and that yeah. she fed you and clothed you. Like, how, um, what's the word that is often thrown? How can you be so... um, Like, ungrateful. Ungrateful, thank you. Yeah. And um, and so when you say that around this holiday, even it's like, well, why do you have to be so pessimistic? Well, this is this day is not really about you then because you don't have a mom that you yeah. care about. And so at least that's been my personal experience um, that I'm often met with a lot of backlash. I guess. And that. yeah. And it's and it's like if you want, I feel like we live in a world that likes to exclude people about everything like we can, you know, and. I think it's important that whenever anybody does anything, you have to be mindful of all the population. So I know this artist on Instagram uh, who writes and illustrates these beautiful images around holidays that honor those who have different or complicated relationships surrounding the holidays. And I admire it. It's amazing. It's amazing, right? But it's so... Very few people are willing to be brave enough to take yeah. that risk. Um, it's such an uncomfortable conversation to have. Like, yeah. let's talk about parents and how they're not the greatest. Yeah. I see people who are silencing us as like, well, all lives matter. Well, all parents matter. Well, you need yeah. to. But not really. But not really. Because yeah. there's a whole population who their lives haven't mattered. When you said that, it actually jogged my memory when I started about, when I started this project and a lot of the things I want to push with the legal system and things, um, my Buddhist mentor, someone I speak to was like, you know, this is going against like the American dream and like everything America kind of stands for. And I think that's kind of a root of it. Like this is breaking down the, what everyone watches on NBC or what everyone's watching on cable news of what holidays and these things should look like. And this is really breaking through that whole family structure and like tearing it apart at the middle again not to make not to put it on the same level at all but the idea of whenever anybody questions the institution of family it's because we're saying like 
not all children's lives yeah. have mattered. Yeah. And the fact that you don't want to have this conversation makes me question if they do matter to you. Yeah. Like, we need to have these conversations to bring up the fact that there are millions of kids who are being abused. Yeah. There are millions of kids who are being neglected, who are not getting the support they need from parents, from schools, from legal systems. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. And that, those numbers are still an understatement because there's so many unreported. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, like, the numbers that we're going off of are not even the workable numbers. Mm-hmm. We're making solutions for kind of and it's, false premise. And it's hard because they're the one population that's 100% voiceless because yeah. they're children, because they're underage. Yeah. So we have to have these conversations for them. Yeah. And when adults are unwilling to come to the table and admit the fact that there are parents who are not that great. Yeah. Admit the fact that there are children who are going through the worst thing imaginable um for the sake of keeping it light and fluffy around holidays it's a real shame yeah it's a real shame the high level notes of one of the things i i highlighted before we kind of wrap up was allowing for multiple and conflicting feelings and that being okay and this is something that i really practice and embrace especially Um, as someone who is very comfortable in like a white black world and I'm being kind of forced to live in a gray world with multiple conflicting feelings and all those things can be true at once and that's something I've worked with for my own um, healing with therapy and around this holiday is I can have at a different point in my story but I can have joy and love for my mom but I can also have hurt and sadness for maybe some of past complicit actions and all of that can be true and that's something that's really hard for was really hard for me and something that I'm getting more comfortable with is you can have like four or five six whatever feelings they can conflict and that's okay and you can be working through something there's other options you know um I guess I always thought that I had to choose and if I was sad I couldn't have love or if I was love I was like neglecting my feelings that felt honest no thank you for sharing that um that's why I mentioned at the end of my share that for Father's Day, I feel a little different because that's yeah. how I feel more for my dad. With my mom, I feel pretty much almost 100% just disgust and sadness for her and then just anger. But with my dad, compared to my mother, he was the better parent. Yeah. He was not a good parent at all. Yeah. But when I had to compare the two evils, he was the better one. Yeah. Um, And then he died. And so... I had to mourn the fact that I didn't have a dad and then I had to mourn the fact that he physically died. Um, and it, and so sometimes I listen to songs like the other day I listened to this pet shop boy songs and I missed him and I want to be like, you shouldn't miss this That's person. Okay. Like he was a bad person. Like he emotionally manipulated you as a child. Like he wasn't a good dad. He beat your mom in front of you. Like he's not a good person. Um, but then, yeah, I just I've had to learn to be compassionate with myself yeah. with all of these um, feelings and emotions that sometimes come at ends with each other, come in like in opposition of each other. And yeah, we're I mean, we're all gray, like yeah. all, all, all humans, not just survivors. And I feel like because trauma, shame and guilt really muddle things even more, um, it's really complicated to to miss him, to want to hear him laugh. Yeah. And to also be so sad for the things he did for me or to me, I should say, and to my mom, who I don't even like. Yeah. But I mean, I don't believe anybody should be yeah. going through that. So, um, yeah. So thank you for stating that in this space, you know. 
Yeah, I, I think that's important to not put the the judgment and the shame and kind of the opinions of what should be and those those shoulds just being very toxic in themselves because there's no such thing as like what I should be like or what they should be like or what anyone should be like, even outside of this topic or outside mm-hmm. of this work. It's just not. No one should be shitting themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, so well, we'll wrap up. I can't believe we're already at, oh, I wish we could keep going. We're already at 43 minutes. Um, is there anything else that you want to wrap up with that you want to say before I go into a close and quick announcements? Yeah, yeah I guess if you want to bring it up. Okay. Um, so lastly, actually, before we close, because I did leave a note to myself that I still, I guess this shows that I was, I was successful at being present because I forgot my own note, but can you please, Tell us a little bit about your role with ASCA, if you feel comfortable only, um, and your leadership role and maybe shining a little light on the co-facilitator and mental health trainings you lead. Yeah, so um, so my name is Tasha. <laughs> I didn't say it in the beginning. And uh, I am one of the six ASCA officers in New York City, um, and I help run the group, so to speak. Um, which looks like a lot of different things, but I've been, um, I've been in a part of this group for almost four years now, and it's a, it's a real honor to be one of the officers now helping lead it. And I, because of my own professional life, I've taken on the role to train fellow members who are interested in co-facilitating the group because we're peer led. And sometimes our peers um, want a little bit more support on how to lead. And so I lead those trainings. And I've also trained the ASCA officers in mental health first aid. Since we've kind of taken on the role to really lead the meetings, make sure everything is going smoothly. And we take a lot of notes and discuss back and forth how to, how can we continue to improve this group. I wanted to make sure that everybody felt comfortable enough being able to come to a crisis of either someone expressing suicidality or um, being ide- being able to identify someone who has non-suicidal uh, injuries or people who are going through panic attacks, uh, being able to differentiate and then being able to respond to those things so that it doesn't fall on the other members because I personally just didn't feel like it was f- fair. But eventually... We would want them to, you know, those who feel comfortable enough to step up and be more um, active in that role. But yeah, I've really enjoyed my time with ASCA a lot. I mean, you are all my family. You became my family. Me redefining what family means to me. Um, because, Same. Because you all, <laughs> yeah, you all support me wholeheartedly. And you, re- like the definition I had here, you all support me wholeheartedly. Um, you love me unconditionally and you respect my, the choices I make. And so I'm really thankful that I'm able to give back to my family in such a um, significant way because I'm, I've always wondered, like, how can we make this sustainable for future years and generations to come? Because unfortunately, idealistically, I would love for Aska to not have to continue forever. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, child abuse is going to be around for a while, especially going back to the beginning of the conversation if people are even unwilling to have a conversation it's going to be here for a while so um yeah so i'm thankful to have a spot there in asco and for being able to come to the table and share all that with you all (laughs) 
Um, thank you so much. I have so much like respect for your work and for your story and just for you. Um, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you. So we'll, we'll close. Um, I hope this episode can provide some ease for listeners, uh, validate their experiences and empower some to open up and share with a safe person or a safe group only if they feel ready. Um, again, this is at any point in someone's journey. So if they're in the beginning stages or if they're working through, you know, language and memories or even acknowledging your survivor to an expert social worker or veteran therapist and all of us in between. Some quick announcements. We're confirmed for uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. This is going to be in addition to the podcast, um, a live radio show that will be one hour aired on Tuesday at 8 a.m. right after Democracy Now. I'll be training in the next month um, with our with their equipment and everything. This won't affect our content or schedule. This will be added content. I will add a date in June or July with the first um, air date. Second, someone gave a comment um, that I met with that has not been in this. I felt like it was important to share. They're not in this world at all, just um, someone that hasn't had a history of abuse. And it felt important that she, she but we were talking about podcasts and she mentioned this is really important for me to even know, and I love podcasts and I love what you're doing, but most importantly, um, giving feedback and how to respond to her friends or people that have been through some of this stuff. And that felt so important to me as someone that was only really thinking about survivor community and not thinking about just a general public that might be listening and how they can respond to friends or family that have had had um, some of these things happen to them. Yeah, please. Um, we should like do a whole episode on how to like a feedback like protocol guide feedback protocol how to yeah. be an ally for survivors i would love that um That's just, a great idea. just because it's so important the language that you use yeah often people's first instinct is to be a, a therapist and tell people it's gonna be okay you're okay yeah and it's not. She said, she's like, I honestly don't know how to respond. And it, I'm amazed that there's like a process and there's like a way to get feedback. And I was like, yeah, we have trainings. Like there's so much. Yeah. So that was, that was like really piqued my mind. And I really thank that person. I, I wrote that down. I would love that for a future episode. And I would just say really quickly for this yeah. person who might not want to wait for the episode, there's a great book called Outgrowing the Pain Together. Okay. Um, And it talks about how family or intimate partners or whoever had friends um, can be there through um, your survivorship and how to respond to different emotions. So like intimacy or anger or hurt. Um, and it's something that you ideally would read together. So yeah. the survivor also reads it too. Got it. Um, but it's a really good book. And I, I thank the person who brought this up because yeah. right we do have um allies who are probably listening wanting to understand better the experience yeah. i would just say quick just listen yeah don't feel like you have to give any kind of psychoanalyzing just listen and validate their feelings that's so big people don't realize that just saying that sucks that's it that's it yeah that's all we need thank you yeah that's helpful and i'll add that book to the notes um, the next thing was just a, a resource for Shrink Wrap Radio. There's psychology inter interviews. Um, 
it's a podcast and I know we mentioned EMDR before and not that any of us are experts, but this is a leading expert in EMDR. Um, I'll post it. It's episode 641, Reflections on the Cutting Edge of Trauma Therapy with Ricky Greenwald. And he is the founder and executive director of the Trauma Institute and Child Trauma Institute. And I learned so much about EMDR from listening to this episode just in my spare time. But I wanted to share it with the group, um, with people that were interested in EMDR and this kind of being a new, something kind of newer and spoken about more. And I I actually do EMDR, so I can speak really briefly on it that I, I personally love it. It's definitely helped me a lot. And I feel like it's, uh, especially if you have a disconnect between your emotions and your logical self, it's a good way to bring it forward. Okay. So. Helpful. Ooh, dear. Um, but again, make sure you're kind of doing research and what's best for you mm-hmm. um, as well. Two podcast reflection notes regarding older episodes, um, kind of with more knowledge from my readings, books, and podcasts. The last episode we were talking openly about um, – not having the tools and resources for therapy. And I think we kind of, from my perspective of listening back, I had the sense that I might have framed it as um, just anyone being able to have resources and being able to find therapy and just being able to have things wherever they were. And after reflection, I do think that's true still to some extent with meditation. There's still some formal level of training before you can just go to a free park. But with listening and reading more, I've kind of realized that access to therapy and things like that is actually a real issue so I just no one of like wrote in and said anything but this was just my um, post-reflection of feeling like that was something really serious and I didn't want to just glaze over and pretend that everyone has access to all these great resources and also kind of keeping in mind that I do live in New York City there are a ton of support groups here there is a ton here that maybe someone else might not have um so I wanted to mention that and then I also wanted to quickly apologize for a prior episode. Um, Again, no one brought this to my attention, but it's something that I recognized in myself was when I asked clarity around a share of someone who said a word distraction, and I asked them to clarify that word. And I've recently learned since then that some level of distraction and dissociation can actually be healthy. And I think I was trying to maybe reframe what they're saying in a different light or context. Um, So I misunderstood and I've learned that this is actually something that could be productive. And again, no one wrote in. I'm just kind of calling myself out because I have a new knowledge for this. And I'm also recognizing that things are going to come up. This isn't going to be perfect. I'm going to learn and make mistakes. Um, So I don't want to correct or ask anyone any clarification in things that they share. Um, If it kind of in this example and I, I spoke to that person that they, again, were like, I don't need an apology, but <laughs> but I still felt it was important to say. Uh, lastly, um, getting to know listeners component. We have over like 80 listeners on some of the episodes, and I just want to get to know them and get to hear from you. What works listening to these episodes? What doesn't work? What would you like to hear? How can the platform be more engaging? Um, I'm going to work on a website so the, FA, the frequently asked questions will be helpful to you, but if you're nervous, like, what are some of these questions that you have? Because there's other people that during this process of recording also ask these questions. So you're not alone. Um, You don't have to have support here in the room. There's plenty of options. So we'll wrap up if you're listening. Um, Remember, you may be feeling tender and vulnerable listening to an episode like this. So please be gentle in all your interactions, um, especially with yourself. And thank you to our presenter and thank you for listening.